the cannabis industry is evolving at a radical pace, progressing toward the green peak. Each week, join Richard Zwicky, a cannabis visionary and entrepreneur, as he interviews experts from around the globe to discuss updates and evolutions in the world of cannabis. Let's make that climb together up the, the green, green peak. peak with your host, Richard Zwicky. Hi, everybody. It's Richard Zwicky with The Green Peak. And joining us again today is Anthony Canelio with New um, with New Lake Capital Partners. Um, Anthony, you joined us back in, I believe it was March or April of this year. And since then, uh, New Lake has gone public, has done an acquisition of uh, green acreage real estate, um, I think in reverse order to the ones I mentioned. But, um, you know, has had some dynamic changes, raised about 101 or 102 million uh, dollars through the IPO and has started uh, placing some of the uh, the investment. A lot of changes, a lot of growth. Um, how are you feeling? <laughs> Tired. <laughs> it's, been, <laughs> it's been a busy year for our team at, at New Lake 2021 has. Um, so yeah. first off, thanks so much for having me back. Really enjoyed the first time and, and thrilled to be back with you. And Yes, it's been it's been a busy 2021. We did merge with Green Acreage back in March, and then um, pushed right through to our IPO in mm-hmm. August uh, of this year. And in the meantime, we've also deployed roughly 125 million dollars uh, across four or five transactions. So, been a busy year thus far, and we're not over yet. Yeah, and I've, I was looking at the New Lake uh, stock here at about 610 million as a valuation today. Yes. Yes, we so, went public at 26 and we're trading. I haven't seen where it is today, but 28, 29. We've been up over 30. Yeah, yeah, it seems to it seems to be right in that range. Uh, I was looking, st- sticking between 28 something and 31 something. So, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess one of the things I noted in uh, some of your documents is, you know, you're qualifying for an uplift, but really trying to time that with federal legalization. Yes, we, um, we've been thrilled with where we are on the OTC, and, and the OTC has been great to us, and we think it's been great for our company to get public, um, but you can't match the liquidity that comes with a New York or a NASDAQ, New York Stock Exchange or a NASDAQ listing, mm-hmm. um, and we know that's important to our investor base, and it's important to our long-term story, and we're acutely focused on ultimately getting there. Right now, um, the only way to get on New York or NASDAQ for our company would be federal legalization or some safe harbor that could potentially come in the form of safe banking if there were some modifications and safe harbor was added for the, um, for the exchanges. And so we know it's important to our investor base. We're figuring out a way to make it happen as soon as possible. Again, perhaps it could be a modified state uh, safe banking act that, that does it, or we may have to wait for federal legalization. Yeah, I mean, everybody's waiting on safe banking, and it's not just in the U.S., it's globally, because it's it really has restricted the global trade. And so it's, you know, not a problem that's limited to your business. It's really uh, the U.S. being seized up on that one area is really affecting and slowing down growth globally in this industry. It's quite frustrating. And, and a shame, too. But, it is. Um, but therein lies the opportunity for all of us, right? Navigating these difficulties. Um, creates the opportunity in one sense or another. Yeah. And one would imagine at some point, everybody's going to look at it and realize how much tax revenue could be collected and we have an economic crisis brewing. So maybe there's a solution or part of one. (laughs) (laughs) Not that we want the economic crisis to help drive anything, but just reality. Um, But, you know, the, and when I look at uh, New Lake, you know, it's a, you're, you're a REIT, 
right? And yeah. you go in and you work with um, operators, you buy the properties and then rent it back to them. Uh, sometimes they're 20 year leases, sometimes they're straight out rent from what I understand. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, now, how many of the, for the firms that are operating out there, I, I, you know, I think, you know, you and I chatted about it before that so many companies uh, go out and they buy their facility and they secure their facility and they get themselves locked in and then run short of capital. Mm -hmm. You guys free up that capital effectively and allow yeah. them to much, you know, manage much better. H how are you seeing the market change over the last few months? And what do you see over the next while? Yes. You know, first, let me just go back over our business model because you, you did get it, but for the listeners, I want to, I want to try to tie it together. Now, our sure. business model is that we do acquire properties from cannabis operators, both industrial and retail properties. So it could be cultivation facilities or dispensaries. We like investing across the value chain and our tenants like that we can provide capital for all of their real estate capital needs. We provide, um, we purchase properties that are up and running and, and operational today. We also provide capital for build to suit transactions where we will fully construct, uh, provide the capital for the tenant to fully construct the building from the ground up. Um, so it runs that spectrum. But the model for our investors is quite simple. We provide capital for real estate. We collect rent on a monthly basis. We pay out a nice, healthy quarterly dividend that grows every year with annual escalations. And you're right. The terms typically are 15 to 20 year lease terms. And um, when you think about from the cannabis operator's perspective, again, you're spot on with many of the cannabis operators have had to use their precious equity capital to acquire real estate um, because they're unable to lease it from your traditional landlords. Um, we will uh, uh, provide that non-dilutive capital to them so they don't have to go out, particularly in this environment where valuations are so depressed, they don't have to raise capital at these lower valuations. We can actually provide that non-dilutive capital. Um, so, so our business, I think, is quite simple. In terms of what we're seeing, we're seeing a tremendous amount of demand for capital for build-out. Um, and it's really coming from across the country, whether it's in California, where people are looking um, to really expand the business and try to get scale, in some cases, get vertically integrated, as there are some challenges in that state, challenges to profitability, or whether it be companies in New Jersey or New York looking to get ready for recreational cannabis, um, or whether it be companies in Illinois looking for additional capacity to continue to fuel the massive growth in that industry that we've seen since they've approved recreational sales. Uh, 18, 20 months ago. Right. And so when you look at that and, you know, you mentioned you do the full value chain. You, so you're dealing with both the industrial properties, which would be around the grow and the extraction and processing, as well as the retail. Um, do you risk them differently? Do you, um, do you structure your leases differently according to um, those two types of property? Yeah, it's a great question. Yes, we, we do somewhat more around the edges. You would find that the risks for a retail location um, are typically a little bit less than they are, not a little, they, they are less than they would be for a cultivation facility. And here's why. Number one, these retail locations are typically in metropolitan centers. If it's not a primary city, you know, it's a secondary city. There is other retail in these areas, typically <laughs> speaking. Um, but most importantly, the differences with the cultivation facilities, um, not only do they tend to be in tertiary areas or areas where there isn't a tremendous amount of other commerce, 
Um, but the investment in those properties is significant relative to what you would need to put into a retail location. For example, power, water, um, those types of, and security, those types of uh, utilities would be oversupplied relative to what the alternative use is. Whereas with a retail location, in addition to some enhanced security, there's really not much more that you need to put into it. So you'll find that we're investing more into the cultivation facilities than you would if it was a regular industrial. And on the retail side, the overinvestment is, um, uh, isn't as great. You know, the last thing I'd say on this is that the overinvestment that we're putting into the uh, cultivation facilities is really reminiscent of what you would have seen, say, in data centers or in lab space, where you have significant amount of power needs or water needs um, or security needs. And so, you know, similar to what we saw in those other subsectors of the real estate sector, this is becoming a niche product um, that requires highly specialized experience to get comfortable with that level of investment. Absolutely, absolutely. And we should, you know, we should come back to that a bit about how that's becoming more and more niche in its own uh, way and some of the opportunities and benefits, but also some of the uh, strategy going forward after we have to take a short break for our sponsors. Um, we'll be back with Anthony uh, Canilio with uh, New Lake Capital. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on The Green Peak with Anthony Canilio with New Lake uh, Capital Partners. And Anthony, just before the break, we we're talking a bit about some of the difference you're looking at between industrial and retail properties. And, you know, you mentioned you know, and pointedly that you know, some becomes a bit of a niche and can be in tertiary locations and the like, which of course are higher risk uh, from a, a leaser's perspective, but you're well-structured in the way you plan for that. And that's absolutely normal. But when you look forward three years um, in the industry and, you know, people talk about federal legalization happening and, you know, whether it happened tomorrow or a year from now, it's going to take another 18 to 24 months for the regulatory framework to fall into place that really opens up the market, right? It doesn't just happen overnight because mm -hmm. every state's going to have its, you know, its rules and there's going to have to be a streamlining and there's going to have to be some rationalization. As you as a, you know, a, a leaseor in the space and a property, you know, uh, a REIT and a, a manager, obviously that's going to be a, um, the difference between the retail and all the industrial properties are going to be uh, an area of, interest to you because the certain states are going to grow more certain states will probably abandon grow um, or limit it um, retail is always going to be there it's going to be growing out mso's are going to have an easier time expanding through their from their footprint but some of the independents are going to become incredibly valuable as acquisition targets and their properties are going to be equally growing in value over time how are you looking at that from your own perspective or do you not worry about it? No, we, we, we pay attention to all of it um, because all of it will have an impact. We are decidedly in favor of legalization. We look forward to it. And we think it will be um, a, a significant positive on our business. Um, I would tell you that first of all, when you think about our business, we sign leases for 15 to 20 years and we need strong, healthy tenants that will have the ability to pay our leases um, for 10, 15 years. There are many regular way companies that execute sell lease back transactions like a Walgreens or a Starbucks or a Home Depot, right? And it's easy to execute with them. They have you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years in some cases experience as a company. 
this industry is more nascent than that. When we think about federal legalization and why it's and, good for and us, on that, you're, you, yeah, sorry yeah. to interrupt, but you're really like a partner to a lot of these companies as they, as they expand. So I know you're working with um, Columbia Care and Curleaf and Trulieve and others. So since you're already working with them, do they come to you to help look for their next location as well as they go forward? We very much view, view ourselves as partners with our, uh, with our tenants and our prospective tenants. And in many cases, we do have conversations with our tenants about providing expansion capital for the properties we currently own and purchasing an adjacent property and, and supporting expansion that way. We're also looking in new markets that they may be entering and how we can provide capital um, uh, to them to continue to be a long-term partner. So, so I agree with you. We definitely view ourselves and we think our tenants view us as long-term partners with them in their business. Um, with respect to the legalization, though, think about what occurs and why that would be positive for us. Um, number one, you'll find that no longer do you have 280E. Even though there'll be an excise tax, still the impact on the cash flow of our tenants will be significant once 280E is no longer in play. Absolutely. Think about credit cards, right? Credit mm -hmm. cards, I've seen some people estimate 10 to 15%. I've seen one estimate as much as 20% growth in revenue just with the acceptance of credit cards. So most of that, after you get past the interchange fees, most of that falls directly to the bottom line. Those two factors significantly improve the credit quality of our, uh, of our tenants. Now, in terms of where does cultivation occur, while I do think there'll be federal legalization, I still think that interstate commerce is longer than anyone thinks. Mm -hmm. I think the states have jobs and tax revenue that they desperately wanna protect. When you think about the number of jobs, most of the jobs are on the cultivation side versus the retail side. Um, and so I think the states will fight tooth and nail, but ultimately we will see interstate commerce. And so therefore, when we evaluate the properties in our portfolio, we think will interstate commerce disrupt these properties? In some cases, maybe, um, but mostly in a world where you have legalization, you will be ushering in a period of massive growth and expansion for the industry. And so companies that have invested millions and millions of dollars and supply chain to have a presence in a particular state, it won't be that fast for them to just shut down those facilities and look to outsource that to, to another state where maybe there's a, a different cultivation uh, dynamic at play. Rather, we think that you'll see the uptake in those alternative locations um, filling in the growth and demand for the product as opposed to replacing existing facilities. So we think that for at least the length of our, um, of our leases and then beyond, that there is a place in the cannabis ecosystem for the properties that we own. Oh, no, I, I, you know, I absolutely agree that there's going to be a, a place for them. I, I know I've been doing some analysis. I've been you know, contacted and, and contracted to look at a couple of the aspects because with legalization and the world changing, obviously, it's not just state to state, it's global trade. And there's going to be a bifurcation, a stronger bifurcation in terms of true medical versus adult use or recreational. And then within recreational itself, you're going to have, you know, and there's some questions where you place some of the wellness products that are euphemistic. So you have a Coca-Cola with, mm -hmm. a, you know, a cannabis additive to it. How do you qualify that? Um, but within the, the uh, recreational, there's going to be the bulk type products, so the Coors beers, and mm -hmm. there's going to be the uh, cottage industry ones, which is, you know, all of the local and brewers and regional brewers and everything else, if I use the beer analogy still. And yeah. those markets are all going to thrive 
um, going forward. It's just going to be changing. And I think the change is underestimated and a lot of companies need to plan for it. Yes, I think that you're going to see that bifurcation and segmentation of the industry as it matures, which is really no different than we've seen with a lot of other industries. What's, mm-hmm. what's particularly interesting here is in no other consumer segment do you have companies that are required to execute all the different aspects of the industry that you have to execute. And so you have to plant it, you have to grow it, you have to nurture it, you have to harvest it, you have to package it, you have to sell it, right? And, and all the other steps in between. Um, all under, most, I don't want to say all because maybe there's one I'm not thinking of, just about every other industry segments out those activities. And it's natural to expect that upon legalization, we will see that segmentation occur uh, in this business. And then companies that are really good at growing become the growers, companies really good at retailing become the retailers and so on. Yeah, and you know, I know that varies on a state by state where some are just you're locked into that complete verticalization and some you have a lot more flexibility. Um, and you know, th- those are great concerns for operators to, to think about and ponder because it's in defining those strategies of what you become that you really drive your long-term value as well. Yes. And that is, you know, it's an interesting point that you make because what I've seen through my 30 plus year career is sometimes companies have an identity crisis. Um, They're not really sure what they want to become. They try to be all things to all people. And then they, in some cases, fail to be good at really anything. And so I think for those companies that will be the long-term winners, I think they they really need to focus on what is it that they do well and then do that really, really, really well. And it's going to be hard for any one company to say they can do all of it really, 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 really well. Um, there are some that are trying, but over time, I think we will see the segmentation occur. And over hopefully there'll be companies com- that focus. Yeah, over time with competition, like in everything else, you can't do everything. Right. You, right. you know, focus is success and sometimes it's painful, but it's where you're going to drive to in the success in the long run. Um, we do have to take another break, but we'll be back in uh, just a minute with Anthony Canelio with New Lake uh, Capital Partners. I'm Richard Zwicky on The Green Peak. The Green Peak will climb back into your podcast player after we play some messages from our sponsors. And we're back on the Green Peak with Anthony Canilio with New Lake uh, Capital. And Anthony, you know, one of the things that obviously, you know, as businesses are looking at growth and they're looking at making dynamic changes and really coming to terms with how do they get over that next hump, um, they have to make decisions. And it doesn't matter what size of business it is. You all run, every business runs into the same issues. And I, I look at it as kneecapping where business is a series of kneecap growths. You have you hit that exponential growth through period, then you flatten off and have a, a flat period and you figure out how do you make that next jump. You deal with some of the largest companies in the, in the space across the US, but you also deal with some really small companies that are setting, our, setting out, developing, growing. How does that relationship differ? And you know, why would, who's the right one to come to you? Or really is it everybody because you have a one side, you have something that fits everybody's needs. Yes, I'm, I'm so happy you asked it because it's really important um, to us as a company to make sure that we're 
providing capital, not only to large players in the space, but also to many of the single state operators out there. In fact, we have a number of folks, um, another a number of companies, excuse me, in our portfolio that are single state operators. Um, and we think it's important to provide capital to folks across the size spectrum in this industry. And quite frankly, from a risk perspective, there are some single state operators out there that are tremendously um, uh, profitable and cash flow positive, and they are great companies to be partnered with. And by the way, they may ultimately be takeout targets for some of the larger companies in the space. In fact, that's happened a couple of times now in our portfolio. Um, so we definitely look for some of those diamonds in the rough, if you will. And when you actually look at how the companies that are the smaller companies we've dealt that have um, dealt with us. Uh, how do they use their capital for exactly the point you made, which was their business was good, but in order to take the proverbial next step, unfortunately in cannabis, a lot of times it takes a slug of capital to do that. And so you're confronted with the problem. Do I go out and I dilute my shareholders and raise equity, or maybe I tap into this asset that I have, such as real estate for non-dilutive capital. And then they may also be looking at debt. Um, and there are reasons why one would want to go with, with a sale leaseback versus some of the onerous terms and, and high costs that debt could have, depending again on the company's situation. Absolutely. I know it's a, you know, that's a great vehicle when everything goes right, but it can be disaster for sure. Yeah, and, and most of wrong. the issues in, right, most of the issues in the sector has been where, where debt's been on the balance sheet and the company ran out of runway from a refinance perspective. And, you know, especially with rates rising, um, or the expectation for rates to rise as this inflationary environment continues to take hold. I think we're finding more and more people are saying, boy, I know I could have my capital spoken for. I know I could have my rent set um, and not have to worry about refinancing into a period of uncertainty or refinancing into a much higher rate environment two, three, four years from now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you know, the economic uncertainty, and, and it, it's an interesting one because on so many levels, the economy is in such better shape. We're just dealing with some supply chain issues from having shut down for a while. And most of the world is nowhere near as recovered as North America is from, uh, from the pandemic. Not that the pandemic's gone away, but you know, the effects of it are, are still affecting most areas of the world in a devastating way, which um, we don't see every day. But I know speaking with People, you know, I speak with people all around the world on a regular basis because of my business, and it's not healthy out there. But it's a difficult environment. I'm sorry, it, interrupt. No, no, but you know, in the U.S., there's job growth, there's wage growth, there's tons of activity. The inflation, hopefully, is transitory. Yeah, hopefully, and I, I don't think we'll we'll get into a whole economic debate, but I no. think <laughs> most people would agree that we are in unprecedented waters about the global central bank intervention into global and local economies and yep. the unwinding of that intervention and of all the stimulus is an experiment. We've never seen this before. And, and I think exacerbating the difficulty for the Fed, if I just be US focused for a moment, exacerbating the difficulty for the Fed is the inflationary environment and um, the stimulus to the economy from many of the policy decisions that are happening in Washington. And so I think we're in for a period of extreme volatility, but let me tie that back into cannabis. One of the things I really love about the cannabis business from a business perspective mm -hmm. is 
I believe it's anti-recessionary. I think if you look at the way what we do is we studied alcohol in mm-hmm. previous recessions. And what you see in alcohol is that sales tend to go up. Now, maybe That's consumer right. behavior drops to a lower price point product, but sales generally go up. And I think that we've seen it even in COVID in times of stress, you'll see cannabis perform well. And so even if there are storm clouds on the horizon from an economic perspective, I think we're all playing in an industry, uh, which is cannabis, that has some factors that will be anti-recessionary. Yep. No, that analogy is perfect because I've done that. uh, I did that analysis a number of years ago as well for something else. And it's very true. You know, beer sales go up, high-end wines go down, low-end wines go up. Mm -hmm. Um, Refrigerators and cars end up going down, but people buy a lot more small goods. More cash is actually spent. It's just spent across smaller smaller items more frequently it's quite interesting right um now unfortunately we are out of time but for you know listeners who are you know looking at their own strategy want to figure out how to restructure or free up some capital um or people who are looking to invest in the space and you know um you are a REIT you're you're public but you're obviously have a lot of uh any company that's public has an appetite for investors who want to uh, learn more and appreciate more how should people contact you? What's the, for both those groups? Our website is newlake.com, N-E-W-L-A-K-E.com. And for investors, there's an investor page with robust amount of information about our company and a link to our investor relations team. Um, from an operator perspective, uh, again, visit our website or you can email us at info at newlake.com and that information is on the website. Fantastic. So, you know, I encourage listeners to want to learn more to go visit newlake.com and to uh, really help understand some of the ways to free up additional capital, but also look at what's going on in the industry from a growth perspective, because it helps shape our own, our own views uh, going forward. Thanks for joining us today, Anthony. It was a really great chat. And thanks to everybody for listening. I'm Richard, Richard. with the Green Peak. Thanks, Anthony. Richard, thank you for having me. Take care. Thank you. Great chatting with you. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.